0: thank you all for coming. Uh, I too would like to echo his thanks to the organizers of this event. Uh, Can everybody hear me okay? Good. Um, What I'm going to talk about uh, tonight is the recent history of U.S. relations with Iraqi nationalism, uh, concentrating on the period since 1958, when the pro-U.S. and pro-British Iraqi monarchy was overthrown and Iraq became a uh, self-described republic. I won't say too much about the very recent history. I'll be focusing instead on the three plus decades uh, spanning the Iraqi revolution of 1958 uh, and the first Gulf War of 1991, with just some very brief concluding remarks about the period since then. Uh, Now, one point to bear in mind in all this is that uh, the borders of the modern Iraqi state were drawn at the end of World War I by the victorious European powers. Um, And it's also important to bear in mind that virtually all subsequent Iraqi governments, uh, whether serving under the monarchy or under the uh, republic, uh, have been dissatisfied with the way in which those borders were drawn. Uh, Those Iraqi governments believe that uh, some areas that ended up in eastern Syria should have been awarded to Iraq, much more importantly, they thought that Kuwait, uh, which remained a separate uh, British protectorate after World War I, uh, should have become part of Iraq. Being deprived of Kuwait not only prevented Iraq from benefiting from Kuwait's enormous oil revenues, um, it denied Iraq secure access to the Persian Gulf. So over the over the last several decades, Iraq has repeatedly gotten into conflicts with its neighbors in an attempt to revise this status quo, or in some cases to prevent the status quo uh, from being altered in ways that further eroded Iraqi strategic interests. Um, this occurred prior to 1958, that is, during the period of the Iraqi monarchy, and of course in the years since 1958. Uh, Now, if you look at the U.S. government's reaction to these Iraqi efforts since 1958, you find that the United States occasionally supported the Iraqi position and occasionally opposed it. Uh, This may seem inconsistent or incoherent at first glance, but if you take a deeper look and evaluate America's actions in terms of its uh, uh, overriding strategic and economic objectives in the Persian Gulf region, Uh, the U.S. position starts to appear more consistent. Since 1945, the main objectives of the United States in the Persian Gulf region have been seeing to it that the region does not fall under the control of a hostile power, and going along with that, ensuring that the region's enormous oil reserves will remain accessible to the United States and its allies. Uh, U.S. policy toward Iraq in particular Uh, changed over the years because Washington's assessment of Iraq's role in securing those objectives changed as well. At some points, Iraq appeared to be one of those hostile powers likely to gain dominance of the Gulf region. Uh, At other points, Iraq appeared to be an ally in America's efforts to maintain access to Persian Gulf oil uh, and to prevent the region from falling under the control of a single hostile power. So seen from this perspective, Washington's fluctuations make uh, uh, quite a bit of sense. Another element of consistency in U.S. policy toward Iraq, I should say, uh, is that the domestic character of successive Iraqi regimes has been almost entirely irrelevant to U.S. policy. Indeed, some of the most egregious Iraqi human rights violations uh, have occurred at times when Iraq was receiving strong support from the U.S. government. So uh, what I'm going to do now is uh, briefly recount some of the main episodes in U.S.-Iraqi relations since the late 1950s, uh, which I hope will illustrate the point that the fluctuations in U.S. policy um, can be well understood in relation to the strategic objectives I just mentioned. Our um, story begins in 1958. With the violent overthrow of the Iraqi monarchy by a group of Iraqi army officers who declared that Iraq would henceforth be a republic. Uh, initially, the US government took a pragmatic view of the new Iraqi regime, hoping it could do business with it. Uh, very quickly, however, the new Iraqi president, Abdul Karim Qasim, forged an alliance with the Iraqi Communist Party. Um, Now, Qasim himself wasn't a communist, but he found the communists a useful ally in his effort to consolidate his power within Iraq. Uh, And at the same time, Qasim began establishing close relations with the Soviet Union. The Eisenhower administration, which was in power at that time, uh, was of course very unhappy about this turn of events and so it forged an alliance with Qasim's internal rivals, the Iraqi Ba'ath Party, which was a pan-Arab secular party that had socialist leanings but was non-communist. The United States wasn't crazy about the Ba'athists, of course, but it saw them as far preferable to Qasim and his communist allies. And so uh, the United States began a de facto alliance with the Ba'athists, Uh, that would continue off and on for the next three decades. In 1959, the Ba'athists made a series of attempts, all of them unsuccessful, to mount a coup against Possum. These coup attempts received at least the tacit support of the United States. On a couple of occasions, for example, the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad uh, learned that a coup was about to be attempted and declined to warn Possum's government that a coup was intended, Uh, but Qasim was able to crush uh, these coups anyway. And it was, I should say, in the context of these failed Ba'athist coup attempts that a young party activist named Saddam Hussein first made his mark on history when he attempted to assassinate President Qasim in 1959. Uh, The assassination attempt failed, and Saddam had to flee the country, uh, eventually ending up in Egypt apparently uh, the cia picked up where saddam left off according to the biographer of richard helms who at that time was the cia's uh, chief of operations and who later became the director of the cia uh, in 1960 the cia tried to assassinate cossum by having a poisoned handkerchief sent to him Um, now this this actually was just around the same time that the CIA was trying to kill Castro uh, uh, by, uh, among other uh, things, sending poisoned cigars to him. And this was almost exactly the same time that the CIA set in motion a plot that ultimately resulted in the assassination of Patrice Lumumba in, uh, in the Congo. So these, re- these uh, accounts of the CIA activity certainly uh, have a, a lot of plausibility. Um, It's not known whether Qasim received the handkerchief, but it certainly didn't kill him, for he continued for some years thereafter to be a thorn in the side of the United States and its allies. In 1961, after Britain granted independence to Kuwait, Qasim revived Iraq's longstanding claim to Kuwait, prompting Britain to send forces to the region to deter a possible Iraqi invasion. Uh, the british forces were later replaced by a coalition of arab forces uh, mobilized in response to uh, kuwait's demand for protection so it was sort of like a a milder and less violent version of the first gulf war of 1991. Uh, Qasim backed down but uh, soon he was mounting other challenges to the established order in 1961 and 62 he began talking about nationalizing Iraq's oil facilities, which uh, at that time were under the control of the Western-dominated Iraq Petroleum Company. Now this was all too much for the Kennedy administration, and in early 1963, it supported another coup attempt by the Iraqi Ba'athist Party, this one successful. According to several accounts, the CIA lent assistance to the coup plotters by allowing them to use clandestine radio stations in Kuwait. The CIA also uh, reportedly provided the coup plotters with extensive lists of suspected communists and Qasim supporters, um, whom the Baathists proceeded to eliminate, uh, often uh, by extremely brutal means. Um, According to most accounts, about 5,000 people were killed in the Ba'athist purge, and many of them, incidentally, were civil servants, uh, teachers, uh, uh, bureaucrats, union leaders. They weren't um, uh, necessarily uh, street thugs or anything like that. Um, So as I said, about 5,000 people were killed in the Ba'athist purge, uh, and Klaassen himself was uh, executed. After the coup, Saddam returned to Iraq, where he began his quick and bloody rise through the Ba'athist party ranks, uh, acquiring de facto power in Iraq in the 1970s. Although the United States had initially supported the Ba'athists' rise to power, relations soured in the late 1960s. After the 1967 Arab-Israeli War, Iraq, like many other Arab nations, severed diplomatic relations with the United States. and it moved closer to the Soviet Union, uh, becoming a major recipient of Soviet arms. Meanwhile, the U.S. government was moving closer to the Shah of Iran, embracing him as a strategic ally in the effort to combat Soviet and radical influence in the oil-rich Persian Gulf region. Uh, In 1968, Britain, which had been maintaining a set of protectorates and military bases uh, uh, on the Arabian Peninsula, announced that it would be giving up these assets in three years' time, giving rise to a lot of speculation uh, among international observers over who would fill the vacuum uh, that would be created by Britain's departure. And to prevent the Soviet Union uh, from using Iraq as a means of extending its influence, Uh, into the Gulf region. The new Nixon administration, which came into office in early 1969, uh, intensified the policy of giving generous support for the Shah of Iran uh, that previous administrations had begun. Uh, This had been going on for some time, close support for the Shah, but it really intensified under Nixon. Uh, The high point of Nixon's pro-Shah policy came in 1972, when Nixon paid a visit to Iran and, in essence, told the Shah that he could purchase from the United States any type of military equipment with the exception of nuclear weapons. Uh, In cozying up to the Shah in this manner, however, the Nixon administration turned a blind eye to the Shah's atrocious human rights record with fateful consequences for the fairly uh, near future. Uh, The Nixon administration's effort to bolster the Shah also gave rise to one of the more cynical episodes in U.S.-Kurdish relations. Uh, As I said, uh, to dominate the Gulf, Iran needed to weaken its historic rival Iraq, which uh, by now was under Saddam Hussein's de facto control. Uh, In particular, the Shah wanted to gain control over uh, Shatt al-Arab, that's the tidal river uh, at the head of the Persian Gulf uh, that forms part of the border between Iraq and iran a previous treaty dating back to the 1930s had granted control over shat al-arab to iraq Uh, the shah wanted to revise the treaty and the americans supported him in this goal the fact that iraq was now a client state of the soviet union made the nixon administration especially eager to see iraq knocked down a peg or two so nixon and henry kissinger his national security advisor, concluded that the best way to weaken Iraq and thus strengthen their ally Iran was to support an initiative already begun by the Shah, and that was encouraging Iraqi Kurds to rebel against the Iraqi government and demand greater autonomy. Now, Nixon and Kissinger did not want the Iraqi Kurds to actually succeed in gaining greater autonomy. In fact, that was the last thing they wanted, since that might encourage Kurds in countries friendly to the United States, like Turkey and Iran itself, uh, to start agitating for their own rights. The purpose, rather, was to harass and weaken the Iraqi government, decreasing its ability to challenge the Shah's bid for regional hegemony. The US State Department strongly opposed supporting the Iraqi Kurds in this way. Uh, But by now, Kissinger had gained control over the U.S. foreign policy apparatus, and the State Department was becoming increasingly irrelevant. Uh, In fact, once Nixon and Kissinger decided to go ahead and back the Kurdish rebellion, they didn't even tell the State Department about the decision, for fear that uh, disgruntled officials at State might leak it to the press. Even William Rogers, the uh, Secretary of State at the time, was kept in the dark. Instead, Nixon and Kissinger worked through the CIA, getting the agency to funnel $16 million to the Iraqi Kurds over the period 1972 to 1975. Now, actually, this was not a great deal of money. It was more symbolic than anything else. Uh, The Kurds got much more uh, aid from the Iranian government. The main purpose of the CIA payments was to convince the Kurds that the United States was on their side, uh, strengthening their determination to fight on and thus to continue to weaken Saddam Hussein's uh, hand. The Kurds were indeed won over by the gesture as Mustafa Barzani, the leader of the Iraqi Kurds, confided to a reporter in 1973, I trust America. America is too great a power to betray a small people like the Kurds. Barzani, alas, would soon learn otherwise. Uh, The U.S.-supported Kurdish rebellion did succeed in weakening the Iraqi government, and in 1975, Saddam Hussein met with the Shah in Algiers and signed an agreement over Shat al-Arab that was favorable to Iran. Whereas under the previous agreement, Iraq had controlled Shat al-Arab, the Algiers agreement established that uh, Iraq and Iran would now share that waterway. It was a galling concession for Saddam to have to make, but the Kurdish rebellion had indeed weakened his hand. In exchange for the Iraqi concession, the Shah agreed to stop aiding the Iraqi Kurds, and he promptly pulled the plug on their rebellion. Deprived of Iranian aid, the Kurds were easy prey for Saddam who brutally crushed the rebellion, causing thousands of ordinary Kurds, men, women, and children, to flee across the border into Iran. Barzani appealed to the United States, sending a series of desperate letters to Kissinger, pleading with him to aid the Kurds. But Kissinger, who of course had no interest in a Kurdish victory in Iraq, ignored Barzani's appeals. And when one of Kissinger's colleagues expressed qualms about the abandonment of the Kurds, Kissinger famously remarked, covert action should not be confused with missionary work. So, here was a case where the Americans worked to erode Iraq's strategic position in the Persian Gulf in order to help out their ally, the Shah of Iran. Within a few years, however, a new strategic situation would arise uh, that would cause the United States to see Iraq more as an ally than as an adversary. I'm referring, of course, to the Iranian Revolution of 1978-79, to uh, which forced the Shah from power and uh, placed Iran under the control of an Islamic government that was uh, deeply hostile to the United States. For Saddam Hussein, the Iranian Revolution presented both a danger and an opportunity. Uh, The danger was that the revolutionary fervor in Shiite Iran would spread to Iraq's own Shiite population, especially since the new Iranian government was openly calling for a Shiite rebellion in Iraq. But the opportunity for Iraq was the chance to overturn the Algiers Agreement of 1975, uh, whereby Iraq had reluctantly agreed to share Shat al-Arab with Iran. And so, to confront the danger, and exploit the opportunity. In September 1980, Saddam launched a major war against Iran. The resulting Iran-Iraq war would continue for eight years, causing about a million casualties on both sides. Uh, In the Iran-Iraq war, the United States tilted in favor of Iraq. Although Saddam's regime was extremely unsavory, and although it still received considerable support from the Soviet Union, uh, the United States saw revolutionary Iran as even worse. So now there was a reversal of the previous American position, with the United States working to strengthen Iraq's uh, strategic position, seeing Iraq as a bulwark against the possible expansion of revolutionary Iran. Throughout the 1980s, The Reagan administration gave considerable assistance to Iraq. It provided Iraq with tens of millions of dollars in agricultural credits, that is, loans that enabled it to buy agricultural products from American farmers. Uh, The CIA gave uh, gave Iraq satellite intelligence information uh, on the position of Iranian forces, enabling Iraq to wage its war more effectively. The US government also allowed a number of American companies to provide Iraq with the materials needed for making chemical weapons, and a number of Western European countries, France in particular, went even further, directly selling Iraq sophisticated weapon systems. Another way in which the Reagan administration showed its preference for Iraq was, of course, by taking a tolerant attitude toward Saddam Hussein's war crimes. As I'm sure you know, on a couple of occasions during the Iran-Iraq War, the Iraqi government used chemical weapons, first against Iranian soldiers, and then against Iraqi Kurds living in eastern Iraq, whom the Iraqi government accused of collaborating with Iran. Most of the victims of the latter attack were Kurdish civilians, including old people, women, and children. When news of these atrocities came to light, The Reagan administration did criticize them, but it did so in very mild terms, imposing no sanctions or other forms of punishment on the Iraqi government. With Iraq's invasion of Kuwait in 1990, uh, and the Gulf War of 1991, the American pendulum swung back to hostility toward Saddam Hussein's regime. And it has, of course, remained there ever since even so there had been some important changes in the underlying strategic justification for such a policy uh, in the immediate aftermath of iraq's invasion of kuwait us hostility toward iraq uh, could be understood as still follow, falling under the general rubric of preventing a power hostile to the united states in this case iraq itself from gaining dominance in the persian gulf region i mean you could have said that about us policy in the immediate aftermath of the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. But after the United States had stationed a massive force of its own in Saudi Arabia, which began appearing within days of uh, the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, and especially after Iraq had been resoundingly defeated in the Gulf War, uh, which was shortly uh, followed by the establishment of no-fly zones uh, that prevented Iraq from using its own aircraft over much of its own country, um, after all that, the United States itself had gained unquestioned dominance in the Gulf region. So the goal now became not to forestall any hostile takeover of the region, but rather to ensure that American dominance would continue indefinitely and indeed be enhanced. So it's in this context that the current war in Iraq needs to be understood, for despite all the talk about uh, turning over the administration of iraq to some iraqi governing authority at the earliest possible date uh, it's quite clear that the bush administration intends to enjoy what colin powell in a recent moment of candor called significant dominating control over how the situation in iraq unfolds in the future certainly this notion of enjoying dominating control over post-war iraq is consistent with a whole series of other statements and documents issued and leaked by the Bush administration in recent months outlining a remarkably ambitious vision of American global power in the 21st century in the Middle East and elsewhere. U.S. objectives regarding Persian Gulf oil have also become remarkably more ambitious. Whereas in previous decades, the United States sought to ensure access to the region's oil for itself and its allies, it now has the prospect of directly controlling the oil of Iraq. The value here is not so much in enriching the oil interests allied with the Bush administration, although I'm sure they will uh, in the course of time be enriched, Uh, it's more in allowing the US government to have its hand on the spigot of Iraqi oil with all that implies uh, in the way strategic and political leverage Uh, over allies and adversaries alike can be exerted. So once again, a certain skepticism is in order regarding the quasi-socialist rhetoric coming out of Washington about how uh, Iraqi oil is the inalienable inalienable birthright of the Iraqi people and so forth. So um, there's a lot more to say about this, uh, but perhaps I'll end my unilateral presentation and. Uh, await for the question and answer period to continue this discussion. Thank you very much.